Accessing library computer data. Level 9 authorization required. Command codes verified. Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who also happen to have children on the autism spectrum. We talk about the new Star Trek Discovery TV series, as well as any autism issues we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my co-host, Vicki. Hi, this is Vicki. We are Moms Going Boldly. Transfer complete. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly. Today we are talking about the Star Trek Discovery episode, Sounds of Thunder. And when we were talking briefly before we started recording, Vicki, you raised a really important point that was generated by this episode. I, I think that, um, I guess we were made to assume that the shorts that they put out really didn't have, were kind of standalone and didn't have much to do with the episodes, but it's beginning to seem like they're important. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I had the exact same thought. So, uh, The Sounds of Thunder is an episode that takes place um, on Kaminar, which is Saru's home planet. And there is one of those four shorts that talks about how Saru came to be in Starfleet. And that short really uh, related directly to this episode. So I think what we're going to need to do, Vicki, is we're going to need to do a, another podcast to talk about the shorts. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think you're right. I think if, if that short related so directly to this episode, there are other shorts that are probably going to relate to the storyline over overall. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's looking like anyway. Exactly. So this story is, this, this episode had two key storylines. One was Dr. Culber's reintegration into the crew and the other was the appearance of a red angel above Saru's home planet. And this was right on the heels of Saru realizing that the entire culture that his race embraced where when they reached this certain period, they, they got the, the, var, the varha, Varhai, I think it was called. Something like that, yeah. Where that was where they were supposed to die, so they would go to the Ba'ul, who would essentially consume them as their prey when they reached this point. And then once he hit that point and didn't die from it, he realized that that whole cultural framework was a lie. And so so we have an episode where they're heading back to Kaminar, and Saru is really angry. <laughs> and he spent a lot of the episode angry. And Culber spent the episode perplexed. Appar apparently, Dr. Culber was completely reconstituted. And so it's a new body, but the same brain, which is interesting. And to he does say he does not feel like enough. Yeah. And he's missing a really important scar that he had on his shoulder that reminded him of a lesson he learned in childhood. And now that scar is gone because it's a brand new body. And I was thinking as I was watching the interactions with Dr. Culver and with Stamets, Stamets went, has gone back to cartoony. Yes. He's just sitting in yeah. 
in sick bay, smiling. He won't, yes, right. And he won't take anything that Culver says seriously. He's just so happy he's back. Everything's going to be back the way yeah. it was. Right. And I don't think that's going to be the case. No. Culver may has made that very clear. I don't clear. think Culver thinks it's going to be the case. No. Right. Yeah. And so, so poor Stamets is like facing yet another smackdown of grief. Yeah. Because things are not going to be the way they were. So um, I'm hoping they'll treat this with a little bit of, make this a very three-dimensional process and not just have that continued cartoony element that you have mentioned. Right. Yeah. Uh, so most of the episodes focused on Saru, though, and Saru and Burnham transport down to Kaminar to look for evidence of the, you know, the red burst and the red angel. They encounter Saru's sister, who's delighted to see him and furious that he ran away. <laughs> I thought she did a great job. I thought she did. She did. Yeah, her reactions were incredibly believable and understandable and yes, she's so thrilled to see her brother and then furious that he actually chose to leave. And then the And once again, I thought Saru was so angry that I was worried that when they lose their ganglia, mm-hmm. they become uncontrollably angry. Yes. So again, I thought we were gonna lose Saru. Yes. I thought he was gonna have to stay on the planet because he just loved himself. Well, you know, actually, once again, my son sitting next to me had a theory that was actually better than the episode turned out to be. My son thought they turned into the Bayul. Bayul. Yes, he thought the Bayul were. That's what I thought too. Yeah, were were the Kelpians. Kelpians. After they lose yes. their, you know, their tendrils who were so that's, violent. That's exactly what I thought. Yep, that they had yeah. to be removed from because their people. Said you don't. Sorry? Yes, exactly. And I thought that would have been a wonderful storyline. Would have. I was kind of, uh, yeah, I was disappointed that wasn't it. Yeah, me too. And and I thought the, I thought where they were going to go with it after my son said that because I thought, wow, that's genius. That's a really good story. Was that Saru was going to be able to show them through the virtue by virtue of his Starfleet training, and you know, the control that he was learning to exercise over these violent tendencies. He was going to be able to show the Ba'ul slash evolved Kelpians how to control their anger and be able to live together with their peaceful younger selves. Unfortunately for us, that wasn't the story. Instead, it was a slime monster story. And what they determined was, oh, and one of my favorite lines that I have ever heard came out of this scene where Tilly and one of the other um, crew, who I can't remember her name, she seems to be focused on helping to parse out databases. Oh, I forget her name. She looks like she's the cybernetic crew person. Oh, Helmet. Don't they just call her something? Uh, wow, I don't think so. I thought it started with an A, like RN or something. But anyway. Um, no. and, and that reminds me, do, do, you, do you not love when Captain Pike calls Owosakun Owo? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> okay, anyway. So they go and they get the database that they had just downloaded from the red sphere creature that they encountered two episodes ago that wanted to give them the legacy of its vast 100,000 years of knowledge. And so they go through all that data and they're able to speed up 
what was happening on Kaminar, and they discover that the Kelpians were actually the predators and the Baul were the prey, and at one point they were nearly predated to almost extinction, and so the Baul had technological development, and so they pushed back and they created this culture where they essentially killed the Kelpians before they became aggressive. Wow. And then we got to see the Baul, and they're like, they were like the Predator from the Predator movie, get to the choppa, except covered with slimy oil. Yeah, they were, yeah. yeah. It was disappointing. It was. (laughs) It was. I thought there was going to be a really good backstory. Yeah, I guess finding out that the uh, Kelpian, the Predators, originally was, it was different. It was a shock, but I just thought the story was going to be. I don't know. Well, like I said, they were. I thought the Kelpian became the vial. Yeah. Yep. So do we. So probably a lot other people thought that too, and instead it was just. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so the Baul are beside themselves at the prospect that this Kelpian who survived the Farhari was going to. Oh, um, oh no! Wait. I'm sorry. Backing up. So Burnham somehow figures out how to trigger the Vaharai in all the Kelpians all at once. And so they they beam in for the the beam down to the planet and all the Kelpians start to go through the Vaharai and the Baul are beside themselves about this. And so they're going to destroy every Kelpian village on the planet. And, And Captain Pike is ready to fire on their ship to stop them, which was great for him, except all of a sudden, Red Burst... The red angel appears and stops the Baul for them. And right. Saru, with his fancy, fancy eyesight, gets to see the red angel more clearly than they've ever seen it before. And it appears to be a humanoid in a mechanized suit. Right. And that's pretty much the only part of the episode I liked. Besides the really fabulous line, which I forgot to say, when Tilly was going through the Spheres database, and she called it a delicious slice of galactic pie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this identification of the Red Angel in this mechanized suit, I think this is a perfect time for you to talk about something that you have read online. And you and I both are along the same lines in that we try not to read too much theorizing and fan ideas about the shows because we kind of want to be surprised. But I still see it. You know, I it, Star Trek's in my feed, so I do see, you know, like the headlines, etc. And you and I saw the same thing which you read, which was about the Red Angel. And I thought, you know, go ahead and talk about it. So uh, if any of our listeners oh. don't want to hear any theories, turn off your microphones now and come back in about 60 seconds. <laughs> okay, go. And plus, it's just a theory. It's not... Just a theory. You know, proven fact or spoiler. But... Like I said in the last two episodes, I'm really getting a little bit bored with this whole Red Angel thing. So I broke my own rule and I went I went specifically looking for things to read. Okay. And the one theory I did find was, um, I guess many fans think that this Red Angel is the AI from the Discovery ship in the shore Calypso. Yes. What do you think about that theory? That could make sense. That could make perfect sense. 
So if... No, I don't know. I mean, the, the discovery, according to that short, the discovery's out there waiting for their crew. After a thousand years. They, yeah, intervene wherever they can to maybe get the crew back. I don't know. But... So, um, so what we're... I mean, it was interesting. And I, and I kind of like it as an idea because... It's it, 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 you know, I like time travel. That's one of my favorite things, and I like the idea of, of it's sort of like it's like a better version of that terrible episode from the Next Generation where the Enterprise produced a baby. Remember that? And, and every, yeah, and it was taking place in the hol- on the holodeck, and so it, they were on the the Orient Express, and they had to find the the building block and go to New Vertiform City, and then the, oh, you know, yes, it's a terrible episode. <laughs> that's probably why I, I remember the Orient. <laughs> yeah, but that's about it. Yeah. But it's a it's a it would be a variation on that theme, and a variation on that theme that would actually be a little bit more interesting than that original episode was. Yeah. Where the the ship the good the goodness of the ship the goodness of the people in the ship produces something that also was good and I like I kind of really like that idea. Though what's really interesting is is that from a timetable perspective, what that means is is that then if the AI is coming from the future and changing the past in this way, it's it's a time travel phenomenon called bootstrapping, where you know it's the paradox of you go back and create the the future that then results in the future that you're in because you went back in the past and created that future you know what i'm saying and so yeah. i'll be really interesting to see how they resolve that if that's what's happening now of course again like we said this is right. theory but i like it as a theory and for those who haven't seen the short calypso i highly recommend seeing it because it's very well done very well acted and could be very important to the storyline and as you pointed out earlier in today's podcast, these shorts may very well be really important to the storyline as a whole as the season progresses. Yes, it's beginning to look that way. Yeah. Definitely. Well, yeah, especially if, you know, that theory about the Red Angel is, you know. So from the standpoint of looking at this, you know, we are, we're six episodes now, I think, into the series, six or seven episodes. What do you think so far of season two? Like I said, I liked it at the beginning, and then it seems that everything we were waiting for, we knew was going to happen. We knew Ash was going to be back. We knew they were going to save Culver. So it, it's almost like there was nothing to look forward to. Uh. And we still haven't seen Spock, and I don't care. <laughs> you know, it's half the time you forget they're looking for her. Yeah. I hear you and give us a couple of, uh, you know, left turns or something because it's kind of predictable is, is I guess, what I'm trying to say. Right, right. Well, I uh, I guess we're going to see Spock in the next episode. Hope so. So maybe after that, then it will start to be unpredictable in a good way, not in a oily slime monster way. And, (laughs) you know, with the the series can continue to grow and develop. So on a scale of I, one to ten, what so. on a scale of one to ten, what would you give Sounds of Thunder? Uh, this is about a five. Oh, there we are. Five. That was where I was too. <laughs> <laughs> moments were good, other moments, but overall yeah. not so great. Yeah, I'm with. You. Okay. It's kind of disappointing. So, what's the name of the next episode? I don't even know. Well, look that up because I don't remember either. 
Mm, let's see. Well, it doesn't say, and maybe it's not out yet because it doesn't come out until Thursday. I'm I'm on I'm on the I'm on the CBS site. So. Nope, don't have a name for it. So, so apparently, at least on my research, there is no name yet for the next episode, but we will be back when that episode airs to talk about it and to continue to talk about other things Star Trek. By the way, did you hear that Discovery has been renewed for a third season? I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, now, is the third season the last season? I don't know. That's something else I haven't talking, read. Yeah, I was talking to my brother, and I think we were we were talking. I don't know how we got on the subject. We were doing the other podcast, and we were talking about that's it. The, and, and that's your Eureka. Somebody, that's your Eureka podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. If, it, if any of our listeners are Eureka fans, check our Podbean website. There is a link on the left hand side in the little sidebar. You can start listening to Vicky's. Very cool Eureka podcast as well. Yeah, we were talking, somehow we got on the subject of Star Trek Discovery. And um, he mentioned that he heard they were only going to go three seasons. Okay. And I can't remember why. But that kind of makes sense because, like I said, they, like we talked about, they announced the spinoff for um, Section 31. So I, and I always thought that was weird. If Discovery goes seven seasons, they're going to wait seven seasons for the yeah. spinoff to start. Well, and they've got the Picard spinoff. So that spin-off. kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, they've got the Picard spinoff. They've got the, the Section 31 spinoff. And they've got a new animated series coming out called Lower right. Decks. So you're right. It, and I'm kind of worried they're going to saturate. I think they're the probably aware of. Trek and then, I think they probably learned that well, lesson. I think they probably learned that lesson. From Enterprise, I hopefully. Hope so. I hope so. So that w- so I, which yeah, is I, why. Go ahead. Which is why when I heard they were going to do Section Thirty One after Discovery ended, that kind of didn't make sense because they're like they're going to keep it on hold for seven years. What if it goes seven years? Yeah. But it kind of makes sense that they were they that they would end it early, like they already have a determined place where it's going to end. Yeah, I agree. Very good. All right, my friend, we invite our listeners to join us next time on Moms Going Boldly when we will review Episode 7, the nameless episode of Star Trek Discovery. (laughs) You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at Moms Going Boldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. Transfer complete.